0: And uh, very orderly, very quiet kids. Need a a little bit more uh, spicing up there, guys. There we go. Anyway, nice to see you guys. Uh, Where's Samuel Spoon? Has he gone home? Children's Ministry. ministry. Ah, you see, it's just quality, eh? And um, anyway, the reason why I'm looking for Samuel Spooner is Samuel Spooner is the new head boy of DHS for next year. So, in his absence, we commend him and then commend the Spooners. And um, the Spooners seem to be kind of producing head boys, head girls, duxes, super ducksers, Um exceptional children, exceptional. Fivefold. What did you say? Fivefold. In spite of, uh, in spite of, shit, it's wonderful. Anyway, guys, I hope you are well. If you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, please. Wasn't last week uh, absolutely amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed that. As we were getting into the Jerusalem, uh, we stopped. It was like just, I was breaking through. And um, I've normally got two left feet. And it takes a bit of time for the brain to work. But, and then what's irritating is the guy on the screen has like got a plate and a thing in his hand and he's just doing it, like just carrying on, you know. And you kind of concentrating, trying to, anyway. But uh, I know it was a a significant moment for the lands and I think a significant moment for us. We've got to really make sure that we honor the moments when they arrive well. And uh, do them as best as we can and uh, Let's not, let's not leave moments undone, kind of, there, there's, we need to be saying things to people, not when they, at funerals, we need to be saying to them, the, the things that we want to say to them, all of their lives, not just when they got to be with Jesus, and uh, these are moments that are significant, they set them up, set the lands up, they set us up, and uh, it really does build family, and gives us some wonderful values. So Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. The week before, I preached on this verse, verses 1 to 2. I'm going to carry on with this. I'm getting back to the book of Acts eventually, I promise you. And we're going to get there. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what I preached on before. Just to remind us, grace is not our problem. We never have a lack of grace. Some people say, I've just run out of grace. We don't run out of grace because that's what God supplies. He never runs out of grace. What we we lose is we lose faith. We lose an ability to believe God for what he has for us. And begin to walk into it and to believe who he is and what he says he and what he says about us that's when we start to remember faith is the conduit through which grace is released into our lives and in this particular case he releases the grace of justification and we need to know these things because I'm about to get into the second part of what of, of those verses but we need to know this is that when God says that we are justified by faith and that we have peace with God, it means that our battle is no longer with God. The Bible never tells us we're going to have peace with the world. The Bible never tells us we're going to have peace with the flesh. The Bible says we've got to actually uh, crucify the flesh. But uh, you're never going to have peace with sin. You're never going to have peace with the devil. But we have got peace with God. Through Christ. That is what justification means. That's a that's a kind of a theological term to say that you've been declared legally guilt free. And it's more than just taking you from minus to naught, like just you guilt free. Actually, you've been specially favored by God. That's what that that's the grace. That's that's what this grace is that gets released here. When we put our faith into Jesus, a grace gets released that we come back into relationship with God an unbreakable, I want to say, relationship with God on the basis of what Jesus has done on our behalf. But we've got to access that by faith. Peace with God. He then goes on to talk about that that this faith, you're standing in grace. And the grace that you're standing in because of what God has done for us Remember, we believe God, we put faith just like Abraham did. We have faith in God and it releases a grace to us. You're no longer fighting with God. You're no longer at enmity with God. You're no longer, God is on your side. God has come and fetched you. He won the battle and he won you. That's what it means. And the grace that we now stand means this, is that I don't have to prove I'm worthy of God's love ever again. The reason why he died for us is because he loved us. You don't have to ever, you got to know this, that God is your friend. He is your father, he is your lord, he is your creator, he is your savior, he is your king, but he is also your friend. Our relationship with God, because of what Christ has done, is friendly. He doesn't just love you, he also likes you. The grace in which we now stand because of this faith that we put in Jesus is that we have access to God. We never, come, we never want to come to God and there's a closed door there. There's always an open door to meet with him, to be with him. And it says that you don't go in there kind of on hands and, and feet and, and kind of crawl into his presence. You go into his presence with confidence and boldness, like a son in the house of the king. This is the grace in which we now stand. You are free from the score sheet. Like God is marking yes, okay, yes, yes, wrong, 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 okay, you failed. We're free from that. That's the grace in which we now stand. It means that I spend more time praising God than despising myself and my own weaknesses. This is the grace in which we now stand, that we access by faith. And he goes on to say, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. So we rejoice in the hope of it coming when he comes again and makes all things new. But we also rejoice in the hope that we have right now in the presence of God because of all he's done. Sufficient, done, for you, ready for you, access it by faith. And God at this very moment is dealing with our hearts. He wants us to go back to our first love. He wants us to, to do the things like we used to do with him. He wants, us, he wants our hearts and he wants the church's faith. He wants, he wants as, as Christian said, in order for us to have a revival in the city, we've got to have a renewal in our hearts. We need to waken. Something needs to waken in our hearts if we want to see the city impacted. It starts in our hearts. It doesn't start in the city. It overflows to the city. Then it goes on and it says this in verse 3. Not only so. I've got that ring around there. Not only so. Highlight it. Asterisk it. Underline it. Not only so. So what that means for those that are thinking, well, what's that important? It means that is completely true, but not only so, there's more. This is also going to be true. And this is what he says. He says, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Mm. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That word sufferings is a tough word. It's like real hardship. It's not kind of a minor inconvenience. And he says we rejoice in the midst of that. It doesn't mean that we try to look for suffering and beat ourselves and whip ourselves and try to make us suffer. No, suffering is what happens when you live life. Real hardship is what happens when we walk with Jesus. One of the things that we've got to realize is it happens, friends. We often think that a walk with Jesus in peace means that we're not going to have worry and we're not going to have wrong things happen. And we think that's peace. No, that's not peace. Worries and things like that can happen. It's how we face them, how we positioned, how we postured in the midst of that will determine whether we can rejoice in the midst of our sufferings. Find joy in the midst of hardship. You see those two things. So then you say, but Stan, how is that possible? How do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you how you do that. The first thing is you never forget verses 1 and 2. You are justified and at peace with God. Whatever's happening to you, you're not fighting against God. The reason why we can find joy in suffering is that we know that we're not fighting with God. In fact, we have God in our corner. We have God cheering us on. We have Jesus and the saints cheering us on. And not only does he want us to break through, but he also wants, we're going to find out now, to use that very thing to mature us. Not only does he want his best for us, but actually he's going to use these things to make sure we grow up and become people that overflow into the city. We've got to remind ourselves that if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 verse 31. When you're facing tough times, if God is for us, who can be against us? You get that? If the creator of the universe if your friend, if your father, who is as big as that, can be for you, who can be against you? And the answer is nobody. If he is for you, who can be against you? We've got to remind ourselves of Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. When Joseph says to his brothers, after they put him in prison, and now he's the ruler of the area. Of the, of the area. He says, what the enemy meant for harm, God used for good. have got to remember that, friends. What the enemy intends as we face these things for harm, I'm not saying those things are not going to be harmful, but I want to say to you that God uses those things for good. So, this is what it goes on to say. So why should we rejoice in suffering? We've got to remember that we're justified. We have peace with God. We access faith, grace by faith. And when we put our faith in Jesus and we put our faith in his word, we access something supernatural in God that empowers us, that helps us, that speaks to us, all those sort of things. And we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But the other reason why we can rejoice in the midst of suffering is this, what carries on next. But we also rejoice in sufferings because we know. I've got that circled in my Bible. Because we know. I hope this morning you're going to leave here and you're going to be able to say, I know. I know. I know this is how life works. I know this is how God works. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. The other reason why we can rejoice and we can find joy in the midst of hardship is that we know God is working with us. And we are in the processes of God. We've just entered into the training ground of God. We've just entered into the discipline of God, which is what training means. I've just got myself a personal trainer that knows exactly what I need when we need it. And God has got me now. And this thing that I'm facing is an opportunity for me to grow profoundly. But I've always got to keep remembering that the reason why I can face this like this is because of what Jesus did for me and that the faith that I have in Jesus, because God is not against me, He's for me. And there's a grace that's available to me. For a soldier to get trained, he doesn't do it on a simulator, he goes to battle. For a sailor, a ship's captain to be trained, you don't do it in the harbour, you do it out at sea where there are real storms and there are real rough seas and you learn. For a runner like I've just started doing again, for a runner to begin to get fit you you don't get fit watching running programs on TV You get fit on the road and it's flipping hard work. And you want to give up all the time. For a Christian to grow and to grow up strong in God, they've got to face hardship and get through it. It is part of our Christian life to face these things and to grow through them. And this is what he says there. And friends, please can I say, can we settle that? Can we settle that in our hearts? And not think God's against me when those things happen. And remember, the reason why we can do this is because we know Jesus. If you do not know Jesus, suffering doesn't always end up in hope. In fact, I've seen a lot of occasions where suffering without Jesus ends up in impatience, not in perseverance... It ends up in bad, missed experiences and hopelessness. The reason why we end up in hope, according to this text, is because of what we have in God. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves that that is what strengthens us. It's Christ living in me that strengthens me. It's Christ Christ that's the belief in what God has for me. In the bigger picture, in the bigger plan that I access through faith that I can get through whatever comes at me in life. He says this, suffering, hardship, produces perseverance. That word perseverance could be translated patience. It is, tra- it is translated patience. In the, in the authorized version, I think 29 times, it's, it's, it's translated patience. Suffering produces patience which produces character, which produces hope. And hope does not, is never disappointed because God shed his love out into our hearts. Even when we're not living in what we hope for, we've got the love of God in our hearts. Poured it out, it says. Poured out, not trickled. Poured out his love into our hearts. But this thing, patience, I, I was thinking earlier after the first service, I thought, I wouldn't have put patience in there. Like, I wouldn't have thought suffering, what we need to get Christian character, I would have thought love would have been better. But the scriptures, what God says, it's actually you need patience. Then I thought, yeah, well, it does say that. A little bit later in Romans, in fact, it says this. It says, when you are, sorry, that's Hebrews, actually, look. Hebrews says this. It says that through, through faith and patience you inherit the promises of God. Patience, big idea. But also in Romans, chapter 12, it says this. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Patient in affliction. So it's kind of consistent. Uh, uh, James says this. He says, when you face trials of many different kinds, don't give up. Persevere, because perseverance must finish its work. It tests your faith, and perseverance must finish its work. And when it's finished its work, you'll be mature, complete, and not lack anything. Perseverance, patience. I've been to business seminars where guys, somebody, they ask the the guru who's there, what's the key to, to starting a new business? You know what the answer Every time I've heard that question asked, don't give up. I've, I've been on another side of the thing. What is the key to planting a church? What's the thing that gets that church planted? You know what the answer is? Don't give up. Persevere. Be patient. Let God work in you, but let God work the situation. And so there's this incredible Dynamic of suffering, finding the patience, and, and you don't find you don't get persevering by hanging in and and then eventually you get tired and tired and you end up. Now the way that you persevere, the way that we can find this is because we've got a resource like the world doesn't have. We've got a father that says just. He says this. He just he says rejoice always. Pray continually give thanks in all circumstances you see the way with we persevere the way that we we get there is by finding God it's not by holding on with right knuckles it's by resting in Jesus it's by resting in verses 1 and 2 of this text that we've just read perseverance perseverance to remain in Christ, to remain under his promises in the midst of all that's happening, to stay there and, to, and to, to, to find God. And he says this, is that when you begin to do that, it produces character, which produces hope. In all of that sequence, suffering, patience, character, and hope, the thing that we've got most control over is the patience part. It says patience produces character and character hope. We've got nothing to do with the suffering that comes at us. But what we can do is face hardship with the lens of Jesus, with the lens of faith, and let God release a grace into our lives that actually begins to develop us and mature us and form us in character. Amazing, hey? God is teaching us through COVID, through a pandemic, to be a patient church. When I was worshipping, I was looking at the Searsons sitting over there. I remember seeing Susie, I don't know how many years ago now, going into the harbor. She, her car crossed over a railway line at just the wrong time. And she got smacked by a train. You didn't even know what make the car was. It was so mangled. And somehow she survived. She had major surgery and major hospital. But she got through it. And I thought, Chief, what would be the. See, when you're sick, how do, you, how do you suffer well? You wait for God, you're patient. And even if you went home to be with the Father, you'd develop character, at the very least. What we trust in is for God to bring healing in the midst of that. I think of Andrew, who then later on went and had a stroke. Didn't had, like, Didn't go and find one, he just had a stroke. Sorry, Andrew. And I want to tell you, Andrew, right now, God is developing character in you. And I'm trusting God I felt like God say that we're going to be a place this is going to be a church where we see strokes healed but I can't get disappointed with God I've got to keep my faith on and allow God to allow an access to the grace of faith, of healing for strokes I've got to keep there I've got to stay there and even when I'm disappointed and I pray for people and they're not healed I've got to keep my faith on because you're not gonna not you're not gonna see people healed unless you've got faith To see that happen. And Andrew I continue to pray for your healing. But I know this. Is that you are persevering well. You are persevering well. I don't think you ever miss a Sunday. Bless you. And I pray. I pray God's going to heal you. Pray for that. As he did Susie. Susie should never have survived that. But she did. produces character. Character, friends, is a profound foundation for our lives. A person of character stands for things. And they're not worried about reputations. You trust God, put your faith in Him, and do what He says, and let Him take care of your reputation. You cannot build a good character and a good reputation at the same time. It's one or the other. If you go for character, God takes care of your reputation. If you go for reputation, you lose character. And you start worrying what people think, and you and you you um what's the word? You put aside your your very core beliefs for the sake of what other people think of you. I tell you what, friends, at this time in this age, we need men and women of character. But that comes through faith in God and being patient in the midst of adversity. Believing and knowing who he is, knowing who we are, and standing in the midst of that and saying, God, please help me on my knees in humility. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And God's strength comes on us, friends. I'm talking from personal experience here. I'm not talking from hearsay. God comes through for us and He develops character. Character is the ability to hold your head and heart in hot conditions, I wrote this morning. Character is the ability to hold your head and your heart in line with God's Word, in line with His truth, representing Him well in hot situations. And, friends, that gets built through patience and perseverance according to this text and he says this is that character then builds hope produces hope you want to be in a positive atmosphere you want to be in a, in a, in a place of hope find people with character people with character have hope people without character hopelessness What God is wanting to do in the life of the church and the life of his people now is to grow us and stretch us and build strength and build capacity in our hearts and build a faith in our hearts so that he can release the grace that is needed to reach a city and to reach the nations. But, But friends, you can't bypass this. You can't bypass it. It's the golden cycle of growth. And whether it's a business you're starting or a family relationship that's going bad or a marriage that's in trouble, friends, you've got to believe God for what he says and not give up. Not give up. Hope is a joyful expectation of good. Hope is an expectation for good. You know what fear is? Expectation of evil. Hope is an expectation for good. Fear is an expectation for evil. That's why God keeps saying to us, don't fear. Why are you expecting wrong rather than expecting good when you're with me? This is deep, friends. This this text has worked me for three weeks now. Hope is secure because it rests in the love of God, and it ca- goes on to say that hope does not disappoint. You know what? So many of us don't want to find hope because we don't want to be disappointed again. And again, at least of all, I don't want to be disappointed in God. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to build up my hopes. You know how you don't build up your hopes. You know how hope comes? Character. You know how character comes persevering and not giving up patience finding God in the midst of it resting in him resting in his promises resting in the justification and the peace that I have with him and understanding whatever I need if I believe in him and I allow him to work in me what I need will come through for the moment at exactly the right time because he's a good father and an amazing friend this is it And then I've said this to people before, and I've had to rebuke myself. I've had to correct myself. I've said this to me, many people. uh, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Be careful. There's a proverb. Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse twelve says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But the second part says this but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. You know why hope never disappoints and you don't get sick? Is because he shared shared abroad his love and poured out his love into our hearts through Christ Jesus. See, unless unless you've got love in your heart, you're going to be disappointed. But you're never disappointed with God's love because as long as you know that his, his love is on you, no matter what the outcome, might not be exactly what I think and exactly the timing that I think, but his love is on me. So hope does not disappoint. I'm never saying that again to people. Hope deferred makes a sick because hope deferred. They've been hoping for so long and they haven't. And friends, I know friends. We've got friends in this church, families in this church that are battling to have babies. And I often think, but hope deferred makes a heart sick. Actually, you know what I'm saying now is, God, pour out your love more in their hearts. Pour out your love more into their hearts so that they never lose hope. Let their character get formed as they persevere and they're patient with the waiting of your work in their lives. And, Father, let your power come on their wombs, those ladies' wombs. And let them, let us see your power in your. See what I'm saying? Both. We can, as believers, we can live in this world of mystery. Because of the love of God is so tangible and so real. We can have hope in the midst of hopelessness because of, because of this character and this ability, this, this who God is for us and who we are for God. It's just, it's amazing, friends. This is what the world wants and is looking for from you and me. And it's a cycle. Faith releases grace. It's like God releases love into our hearts when we get to know Him. And the love in our hearts begins to work in us and it allows us to, to, to keep going, to not give up. The persevering love of God and the, the starts to work in us, the patience of God works in us. And the, as, as it's working in us, our characters are getting formed. We're becoming more like Jesus somehow along the way. And then and, and what's happening is as we become more like Jesus, our hope strengthens. But you know what hope, friends? I realized this the other day. It's like hope is like a type of faith. It's an e- hope is an expectation for good. Well, what's faith? This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 about faith. It says co- faith is confidence in what we hope for. So faith is a confidence for what we hope for. So it's almost like God starts with faith to access and release something. He works in us patience, character, Hope, but hope is like a kind of faith. And so, what happens is when our hope gets filled, our faith starts to grow. There's a confidence that starts to grow in us. Because our faith grows, we start again. There's more grace. And it continues to cycle through that all the time. And that's how we grow, and we grow, and we grow. And we grow. And all the while, our hope is growing. Our grace is up. Our faith is growing up. Our love is growing. Our abilities, our characters are growing and being conditioned and being formed. And the love of God is just becoming more and more real. Friends, this is the, there's a cycle here that the church cannot miss in this time. We have an opportunity now like never before to believe God for these things. Man, I tell you what, God is deepening the faith of the church at the moment. And when I say the church, I mean you and me. How are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? Friends, we're going to respond in faith. We're going to go to that text. And we're going to access what we need in God through faith. His love, his bounty, his friendship, his his goodness is going to pour out over us and we're going to begin to hope, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, when we face tough times, we're going to begin to rejoice in the suffering and the hardship. We're going to find joy. We're going to find God. We're going to realize, man, I don't know if I can do this. This is so hectic. But one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to blame God for this. I'm not going to get angry at God for this because I know God's for me. He's justified me. He's peace is over me. I'm never going to do that. And I'm going to allow myself just to wait on God and allow him to work this thing out. And I'm going to play my part and let God play his part. And in the midst of that, my character is going to become more like Jesus. And as my character becomes more like Jesus, I'm more full of hope than ever before. And as soon as I start to question some of those things, I'm going to allow the love of God that has been poured into my life to become so real that it always takes me back to him and always takes me back into waiting on him and never giving up hope you get this and it's not too complicated friends we have an incredible opportunity right now in God to do something profound in him something is getting formed in the church now I've said this a couple of weeks ago the faith that is getting formed in the church now is going to release a grace for now but also a grace for the future which is going to see city revival friends but it needs a renewal of our hearts before we can see it there We don't need, we don't have to have anything to do with that. God can do what he likes by himself. He doesn't even need us. But he's going to take us on the journey because he wants character and hope and life in us. Can we stand, please? Can I give you a real life example for me on this? We have a lease agreement with Prasa to meet you and the building and whatever. And for six years, it's been a living nightmare with them. And I actually get myself wound up. To the point where I thought you know what Lord actually I haven't got grace for this actually we need to go find a new place we can't I, I, I don't want to hand the next generation this fight we need to be peaceful we need to we need a place that we can build and I've been so double-minded in that you know what this text has taught me Stand. it's not grace you lack It's faith do you believe the promises of God over you do you believe it actually get back into faith and if it means a fight that's fine you can to fight faith for a fight but get back into faith and by the way I'm gonna draw it out over six or seven years until you've learned the lesson until you become more like Jesus Until you become a person of hope. Because unless that's in you, it's not going to be in the people. And unless it's in the people, it's not going to be in the city. And so we've asked them for deductions from rentals and all sorts of things, and they haven't been very great. But the amazing thing is this. Is that I'm not uptight about it. I know God will provide I know. This text has taught me. Do you know God as provider? Honestly, if I want to ask people here, do you know God as provider? Or you're getting cross with people because they're not doing what you expect them to do. And clients are not buying like they should do. And, or do you know God as provider? When you begin to put your faith in God provider, you access provision. That's the grace that's released. When you're sick, you put your faith in God, the healer, and you access healing, which is the grace that's released. See, the grace that you want needs a f- like faith. And I've had to learn under God stop moaning like a spoiled brat. Because you know what happens when you get into that place and you lose your head, you're not somebody of character, you make bad decisions. And it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect you, it affects your whole family. And I want to say, friends, the reason why I'm preaching this is because it's ministered to me and I pray that it overflows into your life. It's given me strength, it's given me hope. It's allowed me to experience more of the love of God that he's poured out into my life. And I want that to be your case as well. People are without work at the moment. Don't get cross with God. You're looking for jobs. Don't get cross with God. Access the God who provides, the God of employment, the God who creates and you access that and you believe him. Let the character that he wants in you to be formed in a more deeper, profound way and become a person of hope. So Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would come this morning, Lord, and you would just shed your love. You would pour out your love into our hearts, Lord. That you would stir our faith again, Lord. That we put our eyes strongly and firmly on you and begin to rest in what you've said and begin to rest in the work of Jesus and to begin to rest in the promises that you've given us, Lord God, to begin to rest in the the voice of heaven and the melodies of heaven that are over us that has intention and has good things, Lord God. I pray that you pour out your love in our hearts, Lord. I pray, my my ask, Lord God, is not that people would, I pray that the people, uh, Holy Spirit, we want to experience your love. We don't want to just know about it. We want to actually know it. Stir our hearts, I pray, Lord. Give us strength. Give us staying power. Form us, shape us. Make us conduits of hope. Thank you for that in your amazing, amazing name, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. We cannot do this without you, Lord. I don't know how people do, Lord. But I want to remind us again, Lord, remind me, remind us again of the unfettered, beautiful love that you have for your people. In Jesus' name.